This episode of the Unravel podcast is recorded and produced on the lands and waterways of Wajak Noongar Butja. I acknowledge Wajak Noongar of the Bibbulmun Nation as the traditional and ongoing custodians and original storytellers of the lands, waterways and skies on which I live and work on and look up to. And I pay my deepest respects to their elders past, present and future. And through them extend my deepest respect and solidarity to all Aboriginal and Zenith Kess peoples. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Unravel podcast. I hope you've been keeping well since we last met. I have been listening to the birds in my neighborhood today tweet across the street, and the lemons in my yard are starting to fruit. Today we are returning to the Tohuinga Ohetangata spine, looking at the second bone, time. Now, time is my favorite bone, and I'm allowed favorites because it's my spine, okay? <laughs> so this bone, it asserts all storytellers have the right to challenge the prioritization and expectation of linear notions of time in the creative process and outcome. In the last three years, I've dramatically shifted my relationship with time, and alongside giving birth to my firstborn, it is the most profound thing to have ever happened to my creative practice. So why did I change my relationship to time? Well, the first thing that I need to remind you all of is that I am an islander, so that means I am genetically coded to worldviews of time that predate the Western world. And... um. What do I mean by that? Well, in the Western worldview, it means I'm late. Everywhere, all the time. There, I said it and I meant it. (laughs) So, you know, like prior to shifting my practice, I used to apologize for being late. Now I just straight up admit to people that I am late. I will be late. You can take the girl out of the islands, but you cannot take the islands out of the girl and my resistance to linear time forced me to unpack my relationship with it how you spend your time is a reflection of your priorities and when i first began to unpack this i had a few major realizations firstly i realized that i may be the last person to turn up but i'll be the last person to leave i'll help you clean pack up i'll drive you home if i have to if it means you'll get home safely and that has a knock-on effect It didn't always matter to me what time I arrived. What mattered was what I did once I got there. Secondly, I realized that I'm expected to work through pain. Every month, my body goes through this incredible cycle of regeneration and healing. And that is a painful and irritable time for me often. And I should be resting and tender towards myself and those around me. But instead, I force myself to turn up. And I smile through the fatigue and the frustration. My third realization was that I like the sun, and by like, I mean love. (laughs) And when I am in alignment, I don't need alarm clocks to wake up. I rise and I set with the sun. This exposure to large amounts of artificial light never felt like my optimal environment for creativity and balance. And lastly, and this sounds really basic, but it's pretty key to this whole time and collaboration thing, I realized that time is a weapon of colonization. 
It is an artificial border that can be moved around to suit economic advantage. For example, daylight savings. So when time is understood, negotiated and named as a vehicle of worldviews, it can be an incredibly powerful tool for collaboration and cohesion. It allows the opportunity to read the signs as they come to us. And that is the connective tissue in this next bone. Pressure through creativity is necessary, but you sow your seeds during the wrong season or you overwater your plants and you will have no fruit to eat come harvest time. So over the last year, I built a, a framework based on observations of the types of time that I move through. And I called this framework Vinguva, meaning to breathe or to breathe it in in Vosavakaviti. This framework unpacked three dominant measurements of time. Settler time, which implies imposed universal measurements of time, such as seconds, minutes, hours, and coordinated universal time. Soil time, which implies lunar-solar measurements of time, such as seasons, winds, and tides. And self-time, which implies biological measurements of time, such as hair growth, menstruation, and circadian rhythms. Over a six or so month period with the support of Critical Path and Create New South Wales, I was able to invite six amazing dancers and choreographers from the Asia Pacific, Deborah Brown, Moimona Shwenki, Tomasi Takatavuki, Amy Zhang, Daniel Mateo, and Sela Vai to consider this framework in relation to their practice. There was no pressure throughout this research period, no set outcome. Some days we would catch each other at the perfect time. Sometimes we would miss one another for days or weeks and that was okay. I built this framework as someone who was almost always leaning into self and soil time, but terrible at settler time. I needed a framework to help me recognize when I was disintegrating. And the more I learned about soil time and and listened to self time, the more I resisted settler time. But the reality is that as long as I work as a professional storyteller, I am bound to negotiating all three. So this framework allows me to be fluid but efficient in what I do with my time. What I just shared with you is the basic structure of the framework. However, applying it is much more complex but rewarding. And I named this framework Lingova because of the sacredness of breath. I wanted this framework to be a reminder of the importance of it. Breath. Life. This weekend, um, I had a moment of affirmation reading Alexis Pauline Gum's essay, Stay Black and Breathe, which is a chapter in Holding Change by Adrian Marie Brown, which is an incredible resource for anybody who works in facilitation, and I highly recommend it. In this essay, Gums reminds us that when people are afraid they do not breathe, we literally lower the amount of oxygen going to our brain when we are afraid. She talks about the black feminist history of breathwork, and one of the many questions she poses is, what is the legacy of your breathing? Life is sacred, and our responsibility as storytellers is to honor and reflect this not just in our stories, but in our process. So what I really was doing when I shifted my relationship to time and developed the Vingover framework was I was breathing space into the parts of my lungs that had collected cobwebs. And when I say I have the right to move through life on my time, I'm saying I have the right 
to breathe. That's the end of my offering on the huinga o he tangata and time. If you like our work at Unravel, you can support our podcast or Studio Kin by subscribing, sharing, becoming a patron, or buying us a coffee via the links and our show notes. For those of you who are unaware, buying us a coffee not only supports our podcast, but also supports a myriad of initiatives, which include buying tickets for local community members to see theatre or art for free. If you head to our website, letsunravel.co, you'll be able to read about what we were able to achieve in 2021 through Unravel. So your support allows us to spread the love and opportunities horizontally and vertically. If you don't have the financial means to support Unravel, you can also leave us a review, shoot us a message, let us know your thoughts, or subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date with our projects. Your feedback is valued. Our hero illustration was created by our superstar sister, Elsie Andrews. Audio was recorded and edited by myself. Thanks for listening, Ken. Take care, Ni. Move.